Welcome to a Star Wars Story Podcast, a podcast honoring the stories of Star Wars, the characters within them, and the people who love them. Today, we'll be discussing the movie that started it all, A New Hope, with a very special guest. Heyo, my name is Jacqueline. Yay, it's Jacqueline. She's here. You might know her from around Star Wars Twitter. Um, she's great. So excited to have her on the podcast. As our the name of our podcast says, we're all about people's Star Wars stories. So, Jacqueline, why don't you take a second and tell us what your Star Wars story is? How did you come to love Star Wars? How did you come to be in this space within Star Wars right it now? It all started when I was born. Um, <laughs> From <yeah>. the womb. <laughs> yes, no. Um, uh, I started... I don't... I know that I had at least an awareness of Star Wars before I saw it because it's kind of pop cultural osmosis at this point. Right. But when but when I was 5, um I got the special edition VHS tapes from my mom. She bought them for me cuz she was like, "Oh, this kid'll like those." And she was right. And she's created go. a monster. Um <laughs> The and so I would watch those like all three like in a row like on a repeat day after day, and um, I would just it was really really cool. It was just fun. It was fantasy, but but it was in space, and um, of course I didn't realize like greater philosophical or social implications of stuff in the stories till later, but. I really think they at least kind of subtly influenced me over the years. Um, the, I will say the first Star Wars I saw in theaters was Episode Three. It, when I was eight, my dad took me, um, and yeah, um, I just kept being into star wars the clone wars came out when i was um it's 2008 so i mean we're both 22 so it was yeah i'm like a month almost like exactly a month older than you correct great yay (laughs) um early birthdays in the year are the best birthdays they are um yeah no so i got into the clone wars when it came out that was like 2008 and my younger brother was Surprise, surprise, like, how old was he? It was He was, like, five at the time, or four or five. And so the Clone Wars came out, and that was, like, my brother's introduction to Star Wars. And we were like, cool, let's, like, watch the Clone Wars together every week. And also buy a lot of toys and play with them, because they're cool. And so that's, like, what a lot of my early memories of my brother are based around. And then, you know, things calm down, Clone Wars ends, I'm, what is time, 16 when it ends? Yeah, it was 2013, so I was like 16. The Lost Missions didn't come out until the next year after that. And so then Rebels started in late 2014, and right 
around the end of season two, we got The Force Awakens, which I was still always into Star Wars, but The Force Awakens really, like, restarted everything. Like, Star Wars was, like, cultural everything, like, again. Yeah. Even for people who aren't, like, watching the cartoons, it's no it longer... Was like, it was, like, a thing that we could, like, like and, like, talk about again. Yes, like, it was exactly. something it... that, like... It, it was on everybody's brain, so it wasn't a weird thing to be like, let's talk about Star Wars. Like, yeah, what do we think it, about Star Wars? It wasn't like, it wasn't like, um, wasn't like people just making pop culture references from something in their childhood. It's like, this is currently happening, happening now. There were, of course, yeah. people like us who were still watching Clone Wars and were like, hey, Rebels is cool too. I mean, half of us were, the other half were like, uh, I think this is stupid and for kids. And I don't remember that people said the same thing about Clone Wars, so I'm not giving this a chance. Oh, those people. They're my favorite people in the fandom. You love them. And then they loved Rebels by the end of it. And then yeah. um, then Resistance comes out and they're like, ah, Disney's failing because Resistance only gets two seasons, even though it looks like that was always the plan, probably. Yeah. Anyway, um... <laughs> Anyway, I came out as trans um, within two weeks of seeing the um, Force Awakens. Memories are really jumbly around that time, but I'm pretty sure seeing Rey on screen was very instrumental in me being like, I am that. I'm a, I'm a woman. Yeah. And seeing Rey do her thing, her whole hero's journey, while also being just a disgusting garbage monster. Made me be oh, like... Our trash child, honestly. If she can do it, I can too. <laughs> and fast forward, like, over three years, here we are, I have boobs, and Star Wars Episode Nine is about to come out, so it's cool. Oh, goodness. It's a goodness fun time. Gracious. And if any of you follow me on Twitter, you, one, will see my many, many shit posts about Ray. And two, I'm sorry for you seeing my many, many shit posts about Ray. Also, if you follow either one of us on Twitter, we've probably contributed to each other's shit posts about Ray. We have. That's not a problem. And we that's just, a definite. Yeah. No, that's a definite. If we individually shit post, like, it's good. But as soon as we start, like going down the same thread together like all bets are off like, especially we <laughs> if we start getting like always sunny like parallels in there oh yeah if we get always sunny parallels in there if it's you me and jeff then like it's off the, like it's off the rails like we just start <laughs> <laughs> the shit posts just go to another level and it makes me uh, really happy <laughs> yeah but yeah that's it it's great that's me i love it I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's also shout out Jen. Yes, hi. We love Jen. Hi, Jen. Um, we let's talk about. There's a little bit of Star Wars news before we get into a new hope. Um, we kind of already mentioned this, but um, resist the Star Wars Resistance, which is the animated show, is getting its season two premiere is on the sixth, I believe. Of October sixth, yeah, yeah, October sixth. I know because um, I watched the trailer like ten times already today. <laughs> I'm normal. 
it's so normal. Um, yeah, so we have, and it also announced that that's going to be the final season as well, which people have a lot of feelings about. Especially because it was a surprise. Uh, yeah, like, I think that that is just kind of a, like, collateral damage of how Lucasfilm, like, runs their production of things. Yeah, totally. They, they just, they keep everything just very, very, like, closed, like, very, like, close to the chest. Like, they only reveal what they absolutely have to. Like, we didn't even know that the, per, what the premiere date was until this trailer dropped. And so they dropped the trailer and that it was going to be the final season, like, all at once, which I think was not the best move. Yeah, especially because they we knew. Didn't... Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> I was going to say, Go especially because we got, like, nothing from it out of Celebration. Yeah, like that. I like, and I very much understand. Like, there are a lot of people who are like upset about just the way that like resistance was marketed. Like at at celebration, like Clone Wars got a big panel. Like Clone Wars is also coming back, but like Rebels got a bigger panel than Resistance did, and like a better time, a better like everything when it was just like remembering Rebels, whereas Resistance is like actually airing and so it's just like and like it airs like a like 10 o'clock on a sunday night but it's supposed to be a kid show and like on disney channel like it's just kind of the whole marketing strategy around it seems very strange and my thing is is like if you're if you know that it's going to be the second season like i feel like that is news you can drop at celebration like that is something you can say at your panel and be like we're so like because all of the creators are like so like passionate about this show and like if you just give them like the platform to say like we're ending this on our own terms like and we want this to just be a two season show so this next show is going to be like, this next season is going to be our last. And we're really excited to be doing, like, a very contained story. Like, that would have been so much better than just, like, oh, here's the trailer and here's how it ended. And then it, like, kind of becomes this ambiguous, like, <clears throat> well, is this, like, a cancellation thing? Because, like, it's not getting enough. So you're, like, ending it right now? Or is this a, like, you always planned it this way? And so the ambiguity in that, I think, is what's most frustrating for people. Like, mm-hmm. limited series are good, but, like, it... They're good because, you know, they're limited series. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, the the time slot is weird. The, um, the advertising is, like, non-existent. It's just feels kind of like once they were full steam ahead on rebooting, re, not rebooting, but revisiting the Clone Wars, they kind of were like, okay, this is kind of, like, b project for lucasfilm animation and yeah it just yeah it's like like, this awkward yeah there's the whole like dave filoni aspect of it which like how he stepped away to do clone wars from this yeah and like you know like he was obviously very involved in clone wars very involved in rebels and then was involved in resistance at the beginning stepped away to do clone wars and then kind of like from what i understand like kind of stayed away to then go do mandalorian yeah which is like like completely his prerogative like and that's also probably like what lucasfilm wanted him to do like there's multiple aspects to this like i'm sure he has a choice in it and that's what lucasfilm is wanting from him but like it very much seems like they're writing 
the animation department, like, on Dave Filoni, which, like, I just don't, I, like, there's so many other, like, voices out there that we could, like, be taught, especially because, like, I, I, Dave Filoni has done a lot for Star Wars, and, like, he has made some great contact, content, but he's also, you know, still a straight white man, and we could have other people who are, like, sharing their voices and their own stories and their own, like, ideas for Star Wars, that it just, and it's hard because of the way that Lucasfilm does things, that it becomes all, like, speculation, and it becomes, like, well, this is what I think is happening based on, like, from what I can tell, but, like, it just seems like they're, like, putting all their eggs in Filoni's basket and anything else that's not, like, directly attached to him right now that isn't a movie is, like, very much getting, like, sidelined. And it's just Which sucks because we love Filoni, but also it's like, he's done a lot already. Let other people do their shit. Yeah. And, like, especially just because, like, and, and a very valid argument that a lot of people were saying is, like, Resistance is the most diversity we've ever had on screen for Star Wars. Oh, oh like, totally. By far. And it's also the show that seemingly has like the least amount of like marketing behind it and is also canceled and like all this all that jazz and it's especially just when there's literally like hardly any other like crumbs that we are trying to hold on to and like to take away such a big chunk of that it just seems like for me it's like I can understand ending resistance on your own terms but also like to me, that also says, all right, well, now I need you to, like, stay at that level of diversity. Like, put diversity in other shows, too. Create more shows that have, like, even better diversity. Like, Give us some on-screen gays. Give us some on-screen gays. We are now five for five in the last episodes about me yelling about gay rap in Star Wars. I just keep coming back to it. But it's fine. We just After Disney maybe... Plus series, please. Please, just give us I will, something. I will I will drop out of college and devote my tuition to funding funding it, please. Start, I know we'll start a GoFundMe. <laughs> yes, because those work and aren't scams. Oh, 100%. The ones that are that are like fan, oh, let's do this things. Like if it's like, say, a trans person wanting like, you know what I mean. Yes. <laughs> but like you know, we're gonna reshoot the last Jedi GoFundMe. You know, totally GoFundMe go for the not... Snyder Cut. The, oh my god! The... What do those people think that they're gonna get? Why do they think it's gonna be any better than what Justice League was? Like you that know, is my question. You know, Brooklyn. Personally, I think we should raise money so that they can release the Colin Trevorrow cut of The Rise of Skywalker. Oh my god. <laughs> Give us the Colin Trevorrow script. <laughs> oh god. Ugh. <laughs> uh. But no, yeah, just give us the what what did what the Star Wars rep matters. We okay, A, we've mentioned Star Wars rep matters before as their hashtag, but this is I think this is the first time we've recorded since they started their own account. So everyone should go follow. I think it's just at Star Wars rep matters. Let me It say. is at SW rep matters and then there is an underscore after the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, so go follow that account. It's very great. They're doing a giveaway right now for Bloodline, for the Bloodline book by Claudia Gray. Um, but the other day, they 
tweeted out something about like what do you what are like what are your expectations or like what do you want from the Mandalorian? And I was like, I want and I'm also very bad at remembering names, so I was just like, I want Buff Gun Lady to I want the Mandalorian to try to like make a move on Buff Gun Lady and she just like cool, so I'm definitely a lesbian. And then they both both try to get women together. And I was like, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her name's like what, Cara Dune? Yeah, Emma responded to me after. She's like, her name's Cara Dune. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> I did not remember. I will say, when it comes to The Mandalorian, the fact that um, Giancarlo Esposito is on the cast is very exciting to me. Yes. Um, he was great in Breaking Bad, and I just want yeah. to see him in more things. He was great yeah, in the two good. episodes of Community he was in. I think the only thing I've actually watched him, like, I know that he's a very good actor, but I think the only thing I've actually watched him in is in Once Upon a Time. You know, it's still him. <laughs> you know, it's Once so Upon great. a t- Once. I never watched so Once Upon a Time, but Once Upon a Time also had Sam Witwer as Miss... Mr. Hyde, right? It did also have that. Yeah. It did also have him. I'm still but I'm yeah, still very, very perplexed by the fact that Sam Whitwer and Dave Filoni are only like three years apart in age. Uh, did you not know that? I no, and I don't know how to process that information. Yeah, Sam Whitwer's like forty one. Huh. Huh. My brain's right? gonna be calculating that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he's forty-one. <laughs> My brain's just gonna be sitting with that. <laughs> Fun times. But yeah, no, I, yeah, for the Mandalorian, like honestly, like the things that are exciting to me are like not anything like Dave Filoni or John Favreau related. Like I'm more Taika. excited that like. Yeah, that Taika is, like, directing and will also be in it. Like, Bryce Dallas Howard, she she directed, and I think she also, like, did a small part or something. Like, because they're both director-actors. Yeah. And, like, yeah, like, the other directors that they have, besides Filoni and Favreau, are all, like, women and people of color and women of color. And, like, I... I do have, like, one, like, one fear that I really just don't want, like, because everything that we've seen, like, even the, like, forbidden footage or whatever um, from Celebration of the Mandalorian was, like, all, like, he had his mask on the whole time, and, like, I get the, like, I don't know, not spooky isn't the word I'm looking for, but, like, there's, like, a vibe- yeah, the mystique of having somebody only wearing a mask the whole time. But also, like, don't cast one of your only, like, people of color in a role and then keep them behind a mask the whole time. So, like, I very much don't want that to happen. Um, Especially because not only is he a man of color, but he is the leading man. Yeah, he's he's a le- yeah, leading man, man of color. He's also just a great actor. Like, Pablo Pascal is just great. And he's also, Pedro like, Pascal. so excited to be... That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> He's also just, like, so excited to be in The Mandalorian. Like, everything that he was saying at Celebration, like, he was so cute. And we're just like, guys, I'm in Star Wars. And I'm like, I love you. That's what I, that's what, that's what, that's exactly how I would act. But if I was just, like, an extra that walked through a crowd scene. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So I am excited about things for The Mandalorian, but, yeah. I'm also, I'm just kind of worried that it's going to be very, like, 
catering to kind of that like broy original trilogy only kind of vibe and crowd. Like, yeah, you saw my tweet where I was like, Mandalorians are cool and all, but they're like the Rick and Morty of Star Wars. And if in that, if I see mm-hmm. people putting them on a very particular pedestal, I immediately get suspicious. Yeah, like I, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I'll, it'll I'll be very interested to see how it all plays out. But speaking of, like, catering to original trilogy, like, those kind of people, there's also, I mean, rumors have been spiraling about this off and on for a while, but this seems to be, like, the most, like, it, the most valid of the rumors yeah. for a while, even though it hasn't officially been announced, like, officially, I, officially. Yeah, I mean, Variety, at least, is talking about it, which is yeah, something. Which is more than just, like, comicbook.com or something. Yeah. But apparently Ewan McGregor has signed on to do a Kenobi Disney plus series. Well, the, well, the variety report says that he is in talks and the, and the initial report from Cinelinks was said the contract. There's a, there's some kind of disparity there. And so I don't know which one's true, but yeah. Basically, the like the rumor is that we're going to be getting a Kenobi show. There's rumors that like Hugh McGregor might direct some of those episodes. There's lots of rumors flying around, but it seems like ninety percent confirmed that we're going to get a Kenobi show, which I have mixed feelings about. I feel like like we have gotten in like say a certain point of view in um. In the Star Wars main comic, do you read the Star Wars comics? No, but I, I, I know general ideas of plot points from them. There's basically, there's just like a couple things that are like, oh, hey, Obi-Wan like mind tricks Jabba's tax collector so that the Lars homestead doesn't get like as much attention or he fights off um, bounty hunters or, or stuff like that. And other than that, he's not really doing anything except, you know, just waiting in the desert, meditating, looking from afar. I don't know what else they could do with him. I mean, the real exciting stuff is like, I mean, are they going to shot for shot remake Twin Sons? Because that was pretty up there in terms of Kenobi stuff. Yeah, I, and like, I, I I've heard some Ewan. people say that it was like, Clone Wars era stuff, but like you are, you literally have the Clone Wars TV show, so like that's dumb. And also, you Ewan has that. only gotten older since. Yeah, um. yeah, it's like this. But like, yeah, a, it's like I'm not quite sure creatively what you're going to do with that to make it like fresh and interesting and something that I want to watch. Exactly. B, you are making another show with just another straight white man as your lead because that's what the world needs. And see, there is a very distinct crowd of people, and they're usually the like cishet white um, men. Yeah, cishet white men who are usually like you know we need usually a lot of like the remake <laughs> the Last Jedi people, or they're the you know everything after Disney is awful, and we should only bring back Legends, and like Legends is the only thing that I recognize. Kind of people, oh, and those people are my the favorite. like. I'm going to harass Raylos and tell them to, you know, 
kill themselves because they're awful people kind of people. Those are really the only people that I have seen be, like, proponents of wanting a Kenobi show. And I'm not super pumped about the idea of Lucasfilm catering to those people. So... Yeah, I am, my, like, stance on this now is if we get it, sure, fine, I'm sure I'll find something to enjoy in it, but I don't know if we need it. It's the exact stance I had on Solo before it came out, Um, how it was just like, do we need this? And, of course, um, you got a little bit of the catering to toxicity stuff and failure hmm. at representation stuff from John Kasdan. <clears throat> John Kasdan. John Kasdan, we will come to your house and beat you up. Um, just kidding. For for everything you did to Solo and for everything you did to Abby. <laughs> so all the things we're going to beat you up for. And also for like get liking stuff from white supremacists and alt-right people. Yeah, you know, all the things. All of the above. And the for, and, the and for above. Val. And for Val, mostly, yes. most mostly for our friends, but also for Solo. Yes. I say this as but someone yeah. who who loved Solo and watches it all the time. John Kasdan, watch out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just yeah, I'm like just kind of ambivalent slash don't want this to happen, but I do love Hugh McGregor and I hope that he has fun with it and I hope yeah. that like I can have fun watching it. My other thing is like it just doesn't. To me, and I hope that I'm wrong if this does happen, that story just doesn't lend itself to a lot of opportunities for representation. Exactly. And also, it's just post the Rise of Skywalker, I feel like for the most part, we're does not. Well, Lucasfilm is trying to push into stories that we haven't seen told yet like the mandalorian yes. is criminal underworld post return of the jedi um the cassian show is at least not kind of in an era that's we've seen parts of before but like yeah post it's Rise gonna be like delving into something that we've seen a lot of hints of but not really like gotten into depth with and you have you know and sometimes it's like at the front which is great and sometimes it's like you don't need to see everything. Implication yeah. in storytelling is sometimes that's, perfectly that's fine. What fan fiction is for assholes. It's what my <laughs> fan fiction is for. <gasps> but yeah, and and like the thing is, is like also with you know, there's not a lot of opportunity for representation. On top of that, like any representation that is had is going to be seen through you know, cis, het, white, male gaze. And like that's... also there's the <gasps> fact that the um, uh, there is also the fact that a Kenobi series set primarily on, on a, in a very not super inhabited by um, humanoid, well, human species part of Tatooine, it's would be very easy for them to get into anti-Arab and anti-Indigenous, um, like, tropes yep. with the sand people. Yep. And yep. Yeah, so you're going to get real racist real fast and probably get to the, well, we have aliens and that's representation argument, which is 
just utter bullshit. So is it so much? I you see, I want to see aliens too, but is it so much to ask that all of our human characters aren't Lily White? Like, honestly, like humans seem to be the most like numerous species in the in the galaxy far far away, but but when we see them, they're always white, and it just when yep. we've got when we've got literal aliens, we shouldn't be with like a, a diverse range of features we shouldn't be looking at humans or a reflection of ourselves and seeing less than what we're seeing in reality yep 100 percent. yeah so i guess kenobi show is fine but you're gonna have to do a lot to convince me to like like this show yep essentially the only other thing is that basically, like, the prospect of news, D23 is, like, next week. So, it's, I think it's, like, next weekend or something. So, it's it going is... to be. Yeah, it's, like, within the next week or so. It is. Yeah. I think it's next weekend. But that is when probably a lot of, like, any Disney-related property, that's when a lot of news is going to drop. I'm guessing we'll probably get some more Marvel news details. We'll probably get more, like, a lot of comics details. I hope that they, like, at least release, like, a Mandalorian trailer. Because they haven't even done that. And it drops in, like, less than three months. You you know what else they haven't so... released? What? They haven't released the trailer for the Clone Wars revival on its own. It's still only available to view in 720p from the live stream of the panel. Oh, you're right. Yeah, so we need a Mandalorian uh, trailer. We need a Clone Wars trailer and a release date, or at least a release time window would be great. Like, the way that they did, um, like, the Marvel Disney Plus shows. Like, they just said, like, it's going to be, like, fall or spring of 2020 or something like that. Like, that's fine. Just give us more of a window rather than it'll drop on Disney Plus eventually. It's like, that's not a thing. That's not a number. Yeah. We need more than that. So hopefully really more don't. Disney Plus details is what I see coming from D23. Not so... I don't anticipate a lot of, like, Tross content. Like, I don't think we're going to get a trailer. Oh, no. We but... won't until October, probably. Yeah. Because so... the same was the case for Force Awakens and for The Last Jedi. Yeah, we won't get a full trailer until much closer to the movie, which is fine. I'm going to need that time to, you know, mentally prepare for a trailer to drop. So, yeah. So, that's D23. So, we'll probably have lots of news for the next episode or something. But, with that, let's jump into A New Hope. Yay. So, the la- before I rewatched it, like, last night, the last time that I saw New Hope, I actually got to see it in concert i the like utah symphony was doing a new hope in concert and so i like literally i was like unemployed and i still spent like a hundred dollars on this ticket and i like went up salt lake is like an hour from me and so i drove like an hour up there and like (laughs) it was the most magical experience i cried like the whole time but yeah, if you ever have the chance to go see 
Star Wars in concert, or really, like, any movie that you love that has a good score in concert, it is an amazing experience. I, 10 out of 10, would recommend. Yeah, so let's, yeah, just dive right in. And we start off, like, C-3PO is the first person that talks in this movie, which automatically reminded me of just how everyone keeps saying that in Rise of Skywalker, like, that's gonna be, like, C-3PO's, like, largest role yet, and I just... Anthony <laughs> Anthony Daniels can only get more uppity at this point. Why? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh god, I don't want it. <laughs> I just like C3PO is just like a good complimentary character. If you're just with C3PO, like it's not that fun, but like if he's with a, like a dynamic, like if he's playing off of Han or something, like that's fun, but like just C3PO is not that great. It's, and I like mean, Look at him in The Last Jedi where he's separated from R2 and he's just present to be like kind of there for reactions on the bridge of the Radis. There's not really much for him to do and he doesn't really have banter with anyone other than Leia telling him to shut up and then on crate Poe telling him to shut up, which were both great, but still yes. it's not like he has much to do. Yeah, so I'm a little little worried about that, which, you know, we're just going to file that away into the file of things that I'm intensely worried about for The Rise of Skywalker. But I, we just, we start this movie and we're on, you know, we're on Leia's ship and I just, it's like the most iconic, like, you know, that just like silhouette of Leia just like leaning over to R2 to like give him the plans is like, so great and like i realized this time like one of the things they said was like they said like no escape for the princess this time which now i want like an entire like disney plus series all about like young leia just constantly getting out of like scrapes with the empire and like they know that she's a rebel but like they cannot prove it because she's so good at like getting out of situations and like i want i want it all (laughs) i want more of that story This is the point in time where I will say that I have not read Princess of Alderaan and probably should. Oh my goodness. It's so good. It is so good. I love Princess of Alderaan. It's my favorite Star Wars book from this new era of Star Wars books. I will also say that I have not read Lost Stars and have also been told by many people that that is a mistake on my part. That is also a very good book. It took me a while to get into Lost Stars because it's like original characters so there was like less of that connection but once i read it i was like sobbing by the end and it's very good but no princess of alderaan is very very good it like fleshes out like leia's relationship like with her parents and it also like gives you so much insight into like the culture and dynamics of alderaan which is just cruel because like every time you learn a new thing you're like wow that's so cool and then you're like and they're gonna be blown up (laughs) it's just really fun like oh no never mind i was gonna like spoil the ending basically like claudia (laughs) gray just absolutely knows how to like tug on your heartstrings and all the times that leia's like well, you know, the only thing the Empire can't take away from me is, like, my family and my planet. And you're just like, listen. Claudia Gray, you evil monster. Please stop. (laughs) But that's good. That's, like, some good writing. I know, it's so good. But you're like, also, that's very painful. And please stop. Please (laughs) give me a break. 
<laughs> but, yeah, I think it's, yeah, just Leia in this whole opening sequence is just amazing. I mean, she's always amazing, but just, like, having the blaster, like, about to, like, shoot down these stormtroopers is great. Also, having the context of Rogue One, that, like, Vader watched her, like... It makes it leave. so much better. It makes it so much because better. We, because we know Leia's a natural <laughs> bullshitter, and she does oh, it yeah. straight to his face. It's so great. And it's just, like, he's just like, you're a rebel spy for the Alliance. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm from the Senate. <laughs> I just watched. I just followed you here. Like, We're on a I diplomatic mission. Your car. <laughs> We're on a diplomatic I mission. We, I saw you at Scarif. No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like we were just in a giant battle, and I followed you from said battle. She's like, I. This is a diplomatic mission. You're crazy. <laughs> this is also like the first instance of like the teenage daughter both facing like, like lying to her father, which is a great dynamic too. <laughs> It sure like, I don't is. know what you're talking about, Dad. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm I'm a I'm a senator. I was not I was not at any battle. <laughs> like she's just so bold facedly lot and I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> and then we like I always forget like how much exposition is in this movie. Like Oh yeah. It just it takes a while for us to like even get off like tattooing and like you just spend so much time with the droids walking around the desert (laughs) there's like i think it's like 10 minutes like you don't cut to anything like there's like you you, there's yeah it's just c-3po and r2d2 like walking around this desert planet with with the environment telling the story more so than anything else 100%. (laughs) And it's, I definitely think it's very um, symptomatic of the kinds of movies that influenced Lucas. But when you do look at it, it's kind of, kind of like, are these droids going to do anything? (laughs) Are they just going to be gay and gay and bicker in the desert? 100%. So I just, yeah, we just spend so much time with them. And, like, when they finally do get to Luke, like, they, we still spend, like, a lot of time just hanging out at Luke's house for a while. Oh, this oil bath will be great. Oh. Right? And, and I also then... love how Luke's like, can you help me get off this planet? And three people are just like, no, I'm good at, like, one thing. And, it, and it's not that. And I'm not even good at that. <laughs> language, language and being a gay butler. Those are the two things I'm good at. I can't do anything things. else. And he's really only good at the gay butler thing. Like, the <laughs> languages half the time. Like, he'd be like, you know what? This is not a dialect I've heard before. And I'm like, are you supposed to know, like, every language in the universe? Like Six million forms of communication, my ass. And yet, half the people we talk to, you don't know. Like, okay, sure. I guarantee you that, like, the six million forms of communication, like, that's just, like, Anakin's programming being like, yeah, I know all of this when he really knows, like, three things. Like, yeah. that is 100% like Anakin was my creator coming out. I'm just like, I know all of these things, except that I don't know anything and I'm terrible at everything. <laughs> oh. Oh, goodness. Much like oh, Anakin, yeah. art reflects so the like artist. Anakin. <laughs> yes. 
And then we, like, see Leia's recording, which, like, already was, like, so iconic. But then when, like, Ryan Johnson used it again in The Last Jedi, like... It hits different now. I started like, crying when that's that happened. Like that it wasn't fair. Hurts. Like it, I know it. And I'm like Luke legit says that in Last Jedi. Like that's a low blow. Like that is not fair. And like, yeah, it hurts. It was so. It hurts so bad. But yeah, it's just like the iconic. I also love that like Carrie Fisher knew that entire like speech by heart like for the entirety of her life like for the rest of her life she could say that speech like on command at any time and i just i love that i love it so much i miss her but yeah yeah, it was great but i i just i love every speaking of kenobi i love everything about the whole luke meeting ben kenobi sequence because literally zero of it makes any sense with like the prequels <laughs> especially like, especially w- with it. how lucas um chose to set up the time frame of the prequels like right alec like, guinness is like 20 year- he's 20 like 20 years older than obi-wan is supposed to be yeah. it's like, just like way he- too old <laughs> it's it's like okay the desert aged him okay like just go with it Right? Like, okay. And I also love that, like, we see, we also see Bail Organa in the, in Rogue One, which is essentially a day before. He just looks like his hair's gotten a little grayer and he's got a couple more wrinkles, like. he looks exactly the same. I think the key here is, is, the key here is apparently Obi-Wan has some not, (laughs) Obi-Wan aged poorly. (laughs) That's it. Like everyone else, like, that, like drank you know, enough water. Ivana is like living, living the high life in the Senate, and like all of that. And Obi Wan's just like in the desert. He's just been sitting the there, just like is probably not great. The weather has been mum- mummifying him, like two suns. Right? Or, <laughs> um, yeah, and also the fact that he, the way he shows up is just like to scream at. The- the sand people right he's like, just like arms wail like in the wailing oh, like oh goodness <laughs> it's the um the actually oh, the um the new book that just came out star wars myths and fables actually yeah ha- has a story i think it's the first story is like from the perspective of sand people and it's like told as if it was passed down about a wandering knight who saved um a tribe from a dragon named crate but also but he like like once he did like stop it he didn't kill it it he does like an ezra thing and uses the force to calm it down he basically tells them all hey stop like raiding settlements or i'll turn the dragon back on you so that at least gives to me gave like some kind of reasoning behind why that would have worked but it came but 42 still. years later <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh also like if we're gonna talk about the context of the prequels and bail organa can we just talk about the difference between like bail organa's plan to adopt one of the twins and like obi-wan's plan because like Obi-Wan, bail organa Obi-Wan. is like 
I will adopt this child. I will make her part of my family. Like, I will raise her to be this, like, competent, like, politician and rebel and all that jazz. And Obi-Wan is just like, I'm going to take this baby back to where Anakin has already been. Keep his same last name. And then I'm just going to chill over here. I really, really just one of my favorite, like, fan fan fanon things is that skywalker is just like the smith of the star wars galaxy like you just see skywalker it's, like it's like a john snow thing yes <laughs> where it's just like oh well everybody has the last name skywalker so we're never gonna find him <laughs> oh well like oh well <laughs> I mean, there, the fact yeah. that um, his name is Skywalker is what immediately sets Vader off in the um, post-A New Hope comics. Like, very shortly, right. after, very shortly after, like, he sends Boba Fett after the kid who blew up the Death Star. And Boba was like, hey, um, yeah, his name's Skywalker, and that's, like, all I've got for you. And Vader's like, doesn't respond, and... That's like okay. I'm gonna go now. And then, <laughs> He's like, All then, right, peace then out. Vader. Then Vader's just like c- quietly, like clenching his fists and being like Skywalker. And then, and then he has a bunch of Padme flashbacks. And then, then he says, <laughs> then he says, he will be mine. And like the windows on on his star destroyer are cracking around him. It's neat. But Me, but yes the stuff. but yeah the Skywalker <laughs> but but as soon as he's like oh wait this kid's name is Skywalker and he's from Tatooine and also wait he, a second <laughs> and also he's 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 powerful in the Force and also he confronted me like briefly with my old lightsaber huh hmm <laughs> things that I make wonder. you go hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, George Lucas didn't really care about continuity when he was making the prequels. <laughs> like, at all. Like, Obi-Wan, like, doesn't recognize R2 at all, despite, you know, having fought with him through the entirety of the Clone Wars. I choose, like, I personally choose, same with Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, to believe that they're just like, let's just pretend we don't know each other. <laughs> <laughs> just like keeping up the ruse of like we're just gonna agree to never like talk to each other again about we'll this. never speak of this again like like it's yeah. it's kind of it's almost more egregious with um uh with yoda because yoda and r2 specifically went on a really weird vision quest yeah they like had adventures together like, like whenever R two was around Obi Wan, like Anakin was there. But like, Yoda and R two went on a really, really trippy quest. So, I don't know. It's yeah, some no. some stuff it, that you just got to go. Like, that's that, weird. That's my like, yeah. That's my like favoriteish theory of yeah. That like it's like a we won't speak of this again kind of thing. <laughs> but it's still really dumb. <laughs> Oh. Also, like it was, it was like the other day or something. Like this official Star Wars account like tweeted out, and they were like, "Like, what do you think about like 
Obi-Wan, like, lying to Luke, saying that Darth Vader kills his father. And, and, and like, StarWars.com, why do you me, feel the need? <laughs> me on the other end of my, my screen being like, I mean, if we're going to go at this, like, at the, like, base explanation, it's because Lucas hadn't decided that Vader was his father yet. They were still yeah. separate characters at the time. <laughs> if we're going by this... It's because at that point he was not his father yet, and then they it's had every to, t- you know. It's like every time I see people say, "Oh, when Yoda and Obi Wan say no, there is another." Like, what do they mean? Do they mean Bliss? Do they mean Ray? Do they mean Ben? And I'm like, I don't know. They probably meant Leia. Like, it it was 1983, guys. Like, that's come on. Yeah. Also, like, the amount of foresight that George Lucas had when making A New Hope versus the other ones is, like, absolutely minimal. <laughs> like, yeah, nothing. Absolutely nothing. <sighs> but, yeah. Then we, like, you know, I have to say, as we move into the cantina, like, young Harrison Ford is just really hot. Like. At, speaking as a lesbian, just... <laughs> you're right. Yeah. He's just a very attractive person. His just... his body language is just he loves pointing and I love seeing him point stuff. He loves that pointing. <laughs> That's like my favorite bit. Was was it like on Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or something where they did a they did like a compilation of like all the times that like Harrison Ford has like pointed at people while acting in movies and it was like in every single movie. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh man, you have a thing, and you know what? It's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I just I, we just with Harrison. Yeah, Harrison Ford's really hot. I think he's hotter as Indiana Jones than he is as Han Solo, though. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, at the very least, Solo. At least on an ethical level, I can get into more, and I will explain why. Um, if I see, (laughs) if I see someone as somebody who's like, wait, he's stealing artifacts from like, like, yeah, he, he punches Nazis, but he's also like stealing from indigenous cultures and he's like, they belong in a museum, but like, like, well, they actually belong with their people, but okay. Okay. Like, and also there's the fact that he like slept with an underage Marion Ravenwood and you know, when you get yeah, older and yeah. you pay attention like, to the movies you've watched. <laughs> right? You're just like, oh, no. Oh, my God. What were you doing? Like, no, that's bad. Is, is Indiana Jones bad? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, are you a bad person? Because I kind of think you are. Like, punching Nazis, as as good as it is, is kind of like a baseline. It doesn't absolve you from anything else. <laughs> no, but yeah, the Indiana Jones does have more of the facial scruff than um, Han does. Yeah. He's got, like, a little more grunge, which I appreciate. But, I mean, it's both... They're both Harrison Ford from, like, the They're both Harrison era, Ford. So they're one, both very hot. One's, one's um, got five o'clock shadow and shorter hair. The other's got, like, really shaggy, like, messed up hair. There you go. And there's, there's he's clean-shaven. <laughs> and he... Both of them are pretty much Harrison Ford. Yeah, they're pretty much just Harrison Ford if he was in those situations. It's much less of an acting thing and more of a, like, 
Harrison Ford just start saying things kind of thing. Harrison Ford, I am totally okay with just playing himself and everything because, yes. Because he's great. I also love, like, the total, like, ambivalence Harrison Ford has towards Star Wars now. I, just, like, I especially... I mean, yeah, it's Star I, Wars. I, I, I love when, like, Solo's was announced to be in, like, production. People were, like, asking him, who, who do you think's gonna play Han Solo? And he's like, <clears throat> he's like, well, me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> or, it's like, oh, goodness. Or, oh, um, oh, uh, <laughs> or, or he'll say stuff like, I don't know, I don't care. Yeah, I'd be like, I don't care at all. <laughs> just like, I, I don't like, care I about got, the question. He's like, I got paid, leave me alone. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I did a thing, they paid me money for it, and, and that's the end of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah. I... However, the Han and Jabba the Hutt scene is like the worst special edition edition okay. in my opinion. As as somebody who grew up with the special editions, I will defend most of the changes because I feel like they don't alter the story too much. I do believe that the um Jabba scene should have been left out. And especially like cuz it detracts like so much. Like it's it's like who's this Jabba guy they keep talking about like throughout all three and then he shows up in in Return of the Jedi, but then you see like shitty, poopy three D, yeah, the, like nineteen eighty nine CGI well, version, nineteen ninety seven CGI in the v- VHS versions, but then in the DVD and Blu ray versions, it's two thousand four CGI. So it's still but they didn't, great. <laughs> but they didn't put money into it. They just like put like the bare minimum of the times technology into it. Like, I can almost bear it until, like, Han steps on Jabba's tail. I love that they, that they, that they just took Harrison Ford and just, like, shifted him up in the frame (laughs) to make it look like he was stepping. so bad! They were just like, (laughs) click, and drag, (laughs) and drag. And I'm like, it looks so bad! Like, you can tell what's happening there. Yeah, oh, and it's... and also the fact that they were like, cool, let's just put Boba Fett, like, right in the foreground. Like, we need to... <laughs> right? Boba Fett's People been need here the entire time. Yeah. I don't understand why Boba <laughs> Fett has such a, like, reputation when he says, like, a total of four words in the entire original trilogy. Like... He's, he doesn't say anything... I think he only says... In um, Return of the Jedi... And yeah. um, in Empire Strikes Back, he's like, he's no good to me dead. And put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. He says, like, too long. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh, and he says, and he says as you wish it. when Vader's, like, no disintegrations. True. So but that's, I like, understand why he's this whole three thing. or four and, lines. Like, he has all of this, like, merch and these people who are like, we need a Boba Fett movie. And I'm like, no, no, to be fair, there. this is exactly, to be fair, this is exactly how I feel about Captain Phasma. And Captain Phasma is the Boba Fett of the sequel trilogy. Well, they actually at least intended her to be that. Yes. <laughs> they, they, they were just like, okay, well, like. Gwendolyn. 
Warren Christie is still criminally underused by Star Wars, but like at least they intended it to be that way. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, for our listeners out there, my opinion is that since her since her armor is made out of the hull of a Naboo starship, and that because we haven't seen a body, and because she's survived worse, Captain Phasma she's alive. is alive. I don't care if we don't see her in Rise of Skywalker. She's alive. If she lived, then she was like, all right, peace out, First Order. This hasn't brought me anything. I'm going to go start my life over, which is why we don't see her again. And she is just alive. That's the end of the story. She's alive. And if they don't follow up on that, you can see my um, Phasma-centered... Fan fiction in like two years. Once I finally get my shit together with all the other in progress fix. <laughs> if they like 100% confirm that Phasma is dead in Rise of Skywalker, there's going to be like a hundred fix it fix. They're just like, well, nope, that's dumb. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. Give her like a very obvious scar on her left eye where her helmet was kicked apart but like other than that that bitch is alive she's alive alive. she's 100 percent alive yes i also love with han that like han thinks that the falcon is like the hottest piece of shit in the galaxy and he's like yes this is like my baby and everyone else who sees it is like this is this is what you fly? Like, this is a piece of junk. And he's like, he like takes it so personally every single time, despite every single person telling him that it is junk. And he's just like, no, this is a beautiful ship. It's just like, it's, it's like, I've seen it described like, he's just this guy and is that this like trashy guy riding around in his like windowless van that's rusty and falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is great. I love it. And I also it's, love that, like, it is such a piece of junk, like, because of Han. Like, it wasn't that junky when Lando had it. It's, I, I do just... like how they expanded on that. How, how like, in um, Empire Strikes Back, Lando does say, what did you do to my ship? And, right? and, and they at least gave us in Solo... A very like pristine like bachelor pad looking ship that Lando right? had. Right, the like the the state of the Falcon in Solo. You're just like, oh, this is this is what it's supposed to look like, and I feel like that's what Han still thinks it looks like. Well, he's like, not he really still thinks of it as like this very nice like beautiful ship that he fell in love with, but like in reality, he's incapable of taking care of things and. It is, like, an absolute piece of junk now. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Which, like, yes. That's just, that's Han. He can't, he thinks he's taking care of things, and it's actually a disaster. That's the entire story. (sighs) Oh, but, no. I just, I love Han. I love, I love, like, how apathetic he is. Again, it's just Harrison Ford. Like, it's... (laughs) Like, through the whole, like, being on the Falcon, like, being on the Death Star, he's like, I I don't care. I'm going to sit here. Like, I don't care about any of your, like, 
forced mumbo jumbo i don't care about any princess i'm just gonna sit here and wait until we can leave which like that is that's a mood right there is just like i get that i i too would just like to sit here until we're ready to leave (laughs) that's all i want yeah oh goodness (laughs) (laughs) i also think that like the whole like sequence of like Leia getting rescued and then like immediately like criticizing Luke and Han for their terrible rescue plan and like that whole like dynamic of Leia while they're still on the Death Star like shaped me as a child like that is like an essence of my personality is like that sequence where Leia's just like you are all so dumb. I'm going to save us and just stop talking until I fix this. It's it's great because it imme- <clears throat> she like immediately like follows it up with like actually taking charge. L- yeah, like, she immediately follows it up with like a plan. Because and it shows that she is objectively the most competent person in the trio. Yes, 100%. The original trilogy is just Leia being rescued by, like, two absolute dumb bitches, and then she has to take care of them for, like, the rest of time. Like, she just has to spend the rest of her life being like, well, I've adopted these two, and they're so dumb, but we're just gonna keep going. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, I don't know if you've seen Archer, but, um, it's like Lana in Archer, where she's like, it's not my job to babysit, oh my god, it's exactly my job to babysit him. It's like, oh like, no, that like is like just that's, realizing that's, that's that my job. <laughs> because she's the the one that has it together, she's gonna be railroaded into having to be the one to take care of the idiot man by the end of things. Yeah, yep, that's Leia. Hundred percent. That's Leia for the entire original trilogy. It's just like I have my shit together. I know what to do. And then Han and Leia are constantly, or Han and Luke are constantly either like ruining her plans or like she has to go rescue them and then get back to her plan. <laughs> Yep. 100%. Also, can we talk about, again, like, I think A New Hope is one of the reasons why I think it's, like, hilarious to watch Star Wars in, like, chronological order. Because after, like, all of the prequels and, like, Rogue One, A New Hope just, like, automatically seems, like, so low-tech (laughs) <laughs> Things don't line up anymore. Like, the lightsaber battle between, like, Obi-Wan and Vader is, like, the most pathetic, like... They're old, Brooklyn. They're old now. <laughs> it's only been the 20 years, but they're old now. Fight, it was, like, this giant battle that went on for, like, so long. And this time they're, like... And we just saw Vader, like, fight a whole hallway of people in Rogue One. And now he's just like, we're going to do little circle motions around each other's lightsabers. He was tired, Brooklyn. (laughs) Anakin Anakin has, like, probably a a lot of, like, can robo-limbs get arthritis? Look, I'm sure... (laughs) I'm sure cranky old man, even though he's, like canonically only in his 40s darth vader was just tired okay he's running low on battery (laughs) (laughs) 
Look, he hasn't had his afternoon nap yet. <laughs> I love that I keep pointing out things that are, like, logistically so dumb with this movie, and you're like, no, here's a dumber head cannon, and that's what we're going with. And it works. <laughs> okay, a moment I do want to talk about that I feel like does get talked about a lot, but, like, Leia comforts Luke. When they're on the Falcon. George and Lucas, like, you dumb bitch. Yeah, it's just one of those moments where it's just so painfully obvious that, like, this was written by a man. Mm-hmm. That, like, Luke, who, yes, we've been following his story more. Like, he has known Obi-Wan Kenobi for how long? And, yeah, seeing somebody die is dramatic, but also, like, that's one person. Like, Leia just had to watch her entire planet, like, her entire family, culture, people, everyone she's known, blow up in front of her face and, like, have to, like, be tortured. And she's like, here, I will give you a blanket because you're having a hard day. And And it's like... Yeah. And, like, in other stories they try to like fix it and be like oh it's just how she is she calmly perseveres but it's just like really stems from the fact that a man wrote this and yeah didn't really consider the fact that maybe a woman losing everything would have more reason to be upset than a random farm boy who has known an old wizard for like 48 hours. Yes. But he's, you know, the man and the protagonist of the story. So his, his pain matters more. I mean, Luke Skywalker, Luke S. Lucas. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I have, it's definitely not as bad at all, but, like, I feel a lot of the same things, like, about Ray's storyline. Like, I love Ray and I love her storyline, but there are, like, moments where I'm, like, she could... There's so much about her that could shine through so much better if she were being written by a woman. Like, say, her entire character arc in The Last Jedi, which, stressing again, my favorite Star Wars movie... Is Same. centered is centered around conflict between Kylo and Ben. I mean, yes. <laughs> sorry, and her. Ben, yeah, Ben <laughs> and Luke. <laughs> yes, and but like yeah, her her story is centered around like is centered around and driven by like the men around her and like it's just the same thing where it's like I this is why we need this is why you need women in the writers room this is why you need more diverse like people not just in front of the camera but behind the camera because it shines through through your stories and through the stories that you tell and it's like yeah i can tell you why that was written by a man and it's because you know leia who should be you know just factually should be in more pain and in more distress than luke is comforting luke because he's the protagonist and like ray's storyline while she is the protagonist of the sequel trilogy revolves around men and the men in her life and like our female characters deserve better and i feel like a lot of like the meaning that we pull from it as a fandom is like stuff that we're creating on our own yes especially as female fans because we're like you're not actually giving us what we want so we're just going to create our own like theories and aspects to this character that aren't explicitly said in the text but we just have to like 
pull out of it because you're not actually giving it to us. Which is why when we get books written by women about these female characters, it means so much because and they're done we're actually so well. seeing because we're actually seeing them through a lens of a woman who has seen these characters and knows what it's like to be a woman. So exactly. Yeah, you just Lucasfilm put hmm, representation. Maybe look it up. Maybe, <laughs> maybe fire, <laughs> fire, fire, D and D. I'm just saying. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I don't. There was like an article the other day that was like, like Benioff and Weiss might not like actually write some of their Star Wars trilogy, and I was like, what if they wrote none of it? Or, like, didn't do any of it. Or just, yeah, if they just didn't do it. What if we just didn't get the same people who, like, created a rape for a female character that was not included in the books and included it as soon as the actress turned 18 so she could, like, legally do a sex scene? Maybe, like, don't hire those same people to do a Star Wars. Maybe not. Especially ones that are like, hey, what if we make a series about what if the Confederacy won? That's an interesting premise that isn't, like, <laughs> something only a white person would come up with. Yeah, just at Star Wars, please just cancel their movies. That's what I'm asking you to do. Kathleen, we, we're, we're really trying hard to like you, but you're making it difficult. Yes. <laughs> we're trying hard to stay with the Star Wars thing, but you just keep hiring a bunch of white men, and we're really done with it. <laughs> Speaking of going to see this in concert, like, this movie, like, would not be even, like, remotely the same without George Lucas's score. What, I mean, without John Williams' score, which George Lucas has said, like, multiple times on the record that, like, getting John Williams to do the music, like, changed the entire thing. Oh my god, seriously. Like, like half, it is half, a whole different movie. Like, the score in and of itself is a pop cultural staple, too. Yeah. Like, even though we know, <clears throat> like, score from movies like Marvel superheroes or, like, Batman, we don't really think of them in the same same way as we do, like, John Williams' Star Wars score. Um, I mean, like, we might get the Tim Burton Batman's... The, the Tim Burton movies Batman score, like permeate more but that's just because of the fact that it was used for the animated series in the 90s um and that was was that danny elfman i think it was elfman yeah Danny elfman. but um but yeah the like imperial march um the um just the general theme for star wars it's all everybody knows it even if they haven't seen Star yeah. Wars, they know yeah. John Williams' there score. Is, yeah. There is there's a series called this there's another podcast, it's called The Soundtrack Show. And the guy who does it actually works for Lucasfilm. He's he actually does like all of the sound editing on Star Wars Resistance. Cool. But he he just did an episode uh, with Blast Points, but he has his own podcast that is called The Soundtrack Show and he breaks down like different 
just soundtracks to movies and stuff. And he did a whole series on Star Wars, and he's also done one on Empire Strikes Back. But something they said that's unique, especially about the like usually what happens with John Williams music, and especially in his partnerships with Steven Spielberg and with George Lucas for Star Wars, is that the movies like give him room and time to like actually like come up with themes like when we have you know luke looking at the double sunset like that's a whole like beat of a movie that like is just letting the score like speak for itself which is you know was unique in and of itself in the 70s but especially now with star wars like letting a score like breathe like that is just very uncommon and it's part of why it's so iconic because it gives us time to hear and like just absorb those themes and like they do they become like such a part of like us like as we watch it and it's just it's so beautiful it's yeah it's i mean it definitely brings me a good John Williams score. Like when I hear it for the first time, definitely brings me to tears. Um, I know it did several times when I saw the last Jedi in theaters, um, over several viewings. Um, the, like say the reprise of across the stars when Leia pulls herself back onto the Radis, like when they did, did that all slow and, and so um, softly or i think i don't hear people talk about it a lot but the um when the music that starts playing when um luke walks out of the bunker on crate and like through the flaming hole like the way it's like time to his footsteps and then then the walkers like stop like also like on the beat and Mm-hmm. And he's just standing there, and it's blaring, and Kylo's looking down, enraged. It's so perfect, and God, I it, love this. Yeah. I love this goddamn it's movie so series so much. It's so good. So Spotify, I like pretty exclusively, pretty much use Spotify to listen to music, and one of my favorite things about Spotify is they do like a like a year in review at the end of each year so they'll like they'll like do like a whole like presentation thing and tell you like what your top artists were what your top songs were like what you were li- like what like it'll break it down like month by month it's like way cool to look at, at the end of the year like what was i listening to all year and like almost every year like my top artist is john williams because i just <laughs> listen to the star wars score so much i have it's so good I have a playlist I follow on um, Spotify that's all of the movie soundtracks along with the released um, Clone Wars and Rebels soundtracks. And I also love how on the web, on the um, desktop version of the app, the um, John Williams Star Wars scores have like a lightsaber for the... Yeah! It like tracks it, like it shows you where you are and like the lightsaber is getting longer. It's so fun. I love it. (laughs) I love it too. I also, one of my notes that I wrote, and I don't remember why, but I wrote this whole Death Star plan is just white men overconfidence at its finest. And I don't remember why I wrote that, but like, is that in reference to like (laughs) them getting off of the Death Star, or is this the trench run? I think it was like 
the whole plan of like this is what we're gonna do it's gonna be this tiny minuscule thing and like of course we can do this super i okay that's what i think it was i think it was like how luke's like, like i've shot womp rats from further than that right when he's like a totally different scenario and like they're just like oh this absolutely tiny like i just guarantee you like if like a woman had been like creating a plan from the inside to like make it would have been much easier to do (laughs) but also but also like um the fact that they're just like oh luke has like flown like a tiny ship on Tatooine. Flown on Tatooine. Like he's it's never like, actually flown in space it's like, before. It's like cool. You're on. You're you're on Red Squadron now. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're you're Red cool. Five. Here go, go do it. <laughs> like they just. It, he's just like yeah. I'd like to join the join the rebels, and they're like cool. Here's like a pretty decent go. position. <laughs> you don't have to start from the bottom or anything. You just get straight in. Nah. Nope. You're just gonna go right in here. <clears throat> yeah so and then just, Jin, you know. and then Jin comes in and has to <laughs> gain gain their trust like over several different different occasions and it's like right Jin has to like fight to even be heard and then no one actually hears her and she's like go do it herself and then they come join her and Luke fi- just kind of shows up and everyone's like <laughs> yeah okay yeah let's do it oh goodness oh to have like the confidence and you know privilege of a white man like honestly <sighs> yeah goodness gracious also like the whole like metal ceremony like han and chewy and luke like didn't do that much more than everybody else i mean for one han came in and like han is the han left <laughs> han is that one guy in your group project who like doesn't do anything but like changes some stuff at the very end so it looks like he did something and then he gets credit with the rest of you right and then he also gets the a with everyone and you're like i no no you didn't do anything this yeah it's like no i did here i am right at the end (laughs) um (laughs) yeah it's like yeah these these people are people that leia like kind of kind of knows kind of knows like just from like a day ago and right? let's like, let's all reward give them medals to any of those people who have been like fighting in the rebellion for years who like <clears throat> were a key part of like the strategy to make sure that like somebody got you know the shot it no we're just we're gonna not give holding it to a fu- these three we're not people. holding a funeral for the numerous pilots that died nope not at all <laughs> we're just gonna give medals to Han Everyone except Luke. Chewbacca. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chewie doesn't even get one. It's just yeah. Han and Luke. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Just men. All right. So this is the, I mean, this is, this is the OG. This is the movie that started it all. So what do you think, like, when you watch this movie, like, what do you think like makes it Star Wars. Like what about this movie like sparked it into like the crazy massive thing that Star Wars is today? Like what about this little movie in 1977 created what created Star Wars? I would say it's 
it's partly John Williams' score combined with the just fantastical element of everything and how there's just like a very human, hopeful underpinning to everything. And um, a huge thing is obviously the incredible things Industrial Light and Magic did at the time with the effects. Oh, yeah. Like, it just really, like, I mean, obviously it's still, you know, 1977, but, like, it is, like, it still works for the most part. Like, it, I mean, yeah, the the effects, I think, really hold up as much as it can from 1977. And I think that, yeah, it is kind of this, like, sweeping epic story that like not a lot of people like that's a big swing to make yeah and i think what what really helps it is the world building like yeah the especially in how aside from the empire where everything is like pristine and and like like definitely like machined in a factory and clearly is exactly what it's supposed to look like then there's everything else that looks like rusted and lived in and like it's a little older um and basically just you can already see just based on like visual context clues that this is something that people actually live in there is history here yeah and i think that like I mean, when they were originally making the movie, it wasn't, the, like, we didn't, they didn't know that they were going to be able to even do sequels, let alone prequels and a sequel trilogy and all of that. But, like, I feel like even, even if A New Hope is all you're watching, like, you just, you get a sense of, like, this is just a small sliver of this story. Like, it does a really good job of keeping that story contained, but also, like giving that vibe that like lived in vibe like this is just one small story in this like vast galaxy that like that we're just focusing on right now like there's so many other stories to tell yeah especially because when we start off we're given like an opening text scrawl and then yeah just kind of thrown in there like the we don't see like the beginning of this conflict this rebellion we see that it's been in progress and leia's already like established and doing her thing han is established as a shitty smuggler and doing his own thing luke is the only one who's i i guess you could call him an audience him an audience surrogate in this one because every almost everything is as new to him as it is to the audience yeah so it so yeah, the fact that it is such a big world that we are just kind of thrown into the middle of, and it's also Luke being thrown into the middle of it with us helps us connect with it more. And it was just... It was cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, the story, like, it really does... Like, it just it sucks you into that world. And, like, it's just... You know, I think that now, like, with ever like, there's so many other things in, that, like, make up a part of Star Wars now that, you know, 
may or may not connect very well to A New Hope or whatever that I think we can kind of, you know, we can make jokes about it and, like, you know, there are valid criticisms of the movie, but, like, we owe so much to this, like, to this movie and, like, the fact that this movie worked, like, it changed, like, so much. Like, I remember there was a, there was an article or something out that was, like, they had done a study over, like, what, like, a move. I don't remember if they were just focusing on movies, but they were trying to find, like, what singular thing had the biggest, like, effect, like, beyond itself, like, in other movies and other pieces of media. And number one was Wizard of Oz, but number two was Star Wars. And, like, Wizard of Oz came out in, like, you know, 1940 or something. So it has, you know, like, 30-plus years on Star Wars. And, like, Star Wars is this thing that, like, there are references references to Star Wars in, like, everything. And, like, you know, even if you haven't seen Star Wars, like, you know who Darth Vader is. And you know, you know, what a lightsaber is. And, like, you probably know Luke Skywalker. You probably know Chewbacca. You probably know, you know, Princess Leia and, like... Leia buns and like there are so many things about this movie especially just A New Hope that have just become part of our culture especially you know and it's just this kind of amazing magical thing that like you know we love it so much that it's like our main thing but for even for people where you know they're more casual Star Wars fans like it's still such a big thing and I think it's so cool yeah and like you said, the references in just about everything. Like, I would say this generation's um, big cultural powerhouse is, of course, the MCU. And the MCU has a shit ton of Star Wars references in it. Yeah. Like, even, like, I mean, the Russo brothers who directed, you know most recently Avengers Endgame, but they did, you know, Infinity War, Civil War, Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier, like, all of these, you know, Marvel movies, and then, you know, post-Winter Soldier Marvel movies they had just had very direct ties to, that they, like, they were just on, like, the Star Wars show, and they talked about how, you know, watching Star Wars was a huge influence in them becoming movie makers and them, you know, how they make their movies. Like they, you know, they were talking about how they love Empire Strikes Back. And it's like Star Wars has, especially like newer, like younger movie makers, like for so many of them, Star Wars is a huge thing. Like that, that's why they like it. That's why they love it. And that's why they love what they do and how they got into it. And like they're, it's, it's such a big thing that like, it's, virtually impossible to like actually measure the effect that like star wars as a whole like not just a new hope but like just the whole franchise has had on our society and on you know individual people and like it's just kind of this crazy beautiful magical thing and it's awesome it sure is and that's why we love it. That's why we have a whole podcast to talk about it all the time. That's <laughs> why I'm considering getting a <clears throat> Star Wars, like, sleeve tattoo, because... Uh, <gasps> oh, please do it. I would love it. You, 
the Afro one. Like, it's it's not obviously a Star Wars tattoo, but I'll know it's a Star oh, Wars tattoo. Oh, that would tattoo. be awesome if you did the Afro sleeve! Yes, it like goes. It goes from like mid forearm up to like bottom of my neck. It would, so I'm just like, I I I just like thought about this earlier today. I had my blood drawn, and I'm like, you know, for someone who just really hates needles, it's interesting that I'm the one who wants a full sleeve. I couldn't do a full sleep, but I want, like, I I mean, I also, like, have a Star Wars tattoo that I want. I want it, like, on my ribs. But, like, yeah, I just, it's, it's so great. Like, I can't, like, it, it just, it's, like, one of those things where, like, I can't separate Star Wars from, like, my own personhood. Like, I can't separate, like, it's so much a part of, like, my childhood and a part of, like, watching you know, A New Hope over and over and over again was a huge part of, you know, who I became. Like, when I was a little kid, like, I would, you know, if I was having bad manners, like, the thing that you say to a little girl when she's having bad manners is, you know, are you, like, you aren't acting like a princess. Like, a princess wouldn't do that. And, like, my response was always, uh, Princess Leia would. And then I would just keep doing whatever I wanted. And, like, <laughs> it, and when I was, like, four. And, like, that was my response to everything. And it was just, like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. Because Le- Princess Leia can. And I want to be like Princess Leia. And... The, the influence Carrie Fisher has. She, Carrie Fisher would be so proud of that comment. <laughs> She would. <clears throat> I don't know where I end and Star Wars begins. I really don't. It's just, it's a continuous, like, circle of, like, me and Star Wars. It's just a whole And thing. me desperately trying to, to make an identity out of the parts of me that aren't Star Wars and failing horribly. Right? <laughs> like, I don't actually know how to talk about anything other than Star Wars, but, you know, that's fine. <laughs> yep. Oh. oh goodness it's fine it's not like my entire like experience at my job on campus is hey people come into like the lgbt center and i i'm like cool here's our resources and then somehow find a way to rant at them about star wars for like the next 10 to 30 minutes yeah <laughs> yeah are you yeah. kidding me? I'm an English major. I work in Star Wars, like, whenever I can, which is often. <laughs> it's... It, whenever I start... Whenever I mention, like, Star Wars to, like, a new person in in the LGBT center, my, um, my co-workers are like, oh, no. Oh, no. She started. <laughs> <laughs> and here we go again. <laughs> yep. Oh, I love it. Well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Anytime. This was so much fun. You will definitely come back again. But yeah, just thank you so much. Where can people find you on the social media? You can find me on Twitter under at jbandos, at J-B-A-N-D-O-S. I'm pretty great there. I She is. Post a lot of nonsense. And um, the link to my Instagram is in that if you want to support my vanity. (laughs) 
So, yeah. She's she's a great person to follow. Uh, and um, you previously mentioned um, Star Wars Rep Matter yeah. Matters getting a website. I yes, am a contributor. Yeah. I am like outlining my first piece right now. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. Yay. So go follow Star Wars Rep Matters no matter what, and you will also get to read some of Jacqueline's writing. So, yeah. You know, extra bonus all the time. You can find just me on Twitter at Brooklyn Bound with in the O's or zeros. It's just B R zero zero K L Y N B zero U N D. You can find our podcast at A S W S underscore podcast. You can also find our podcast on Patreon. You can just go to a Star Wars Story podcast on Patreon. We'd also like to thank our patrons that we do have. We would like to thank Greg, Jonathan, Kayla, Carla, Meg, Nick, uh, and Thetmatic. So thank you so much for being our patrons. Um, and I think all that's left to say is may the force be with you. May the force be with you.